North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10. You've tuned into the Dr. Lowe Show with naturopathic doctor, Dr. Lauren Noel, where you hear the best in natural medicine, nutrition, and mindset from the world's top doctors, authors, influencers, and Dr. Lowe herself. Trying just to pop a pill for a symptom? You've got the wrong exit. Seeking doable ways to live a happier, healthier life and have fun doing it? Welcome to the Dr. Lowe Show. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Dr. Lowe's show. I am your host, Dr. Lauren Noel, and you may have noticed that I dropped the Dr. Lowe radio and saying more Dr. Lowe's show. It's not an accident. I'm actually doing that intentionally. One of my main words this year is intention, doing things with a purpose, not just to do it. And um, that's because I want to bring more videos at some point. I know I've been saying that, but it's a work in progress. So I figure if I'm going to be doing video, it doesn't really make sense without Dr. Lowe radio, right? So I don't know. It's probably my overthinking things, but that's why you hear the Dr. Lowe show and it still flows off the tongue, right? Still kind of a cute little twang to it. So anyways, totally off topic. Welcome back. Thank you for joining me. If you're new to the show, welcome. This is a place where you learn all about how to empower yourself. I'm actually looking at a spider coming from my ceiling. (laughs) That's what I'm noticing right now. Okay, great. Um, Anyways, this is a show that empowers you about about your body and how to learn about how it works and what tools you have at your fingertips. You know, I, I came into this world of naturopathic medicine based in my own struggles with my health and just feeling like I wasn't getting the answers I needed from modern medicine. And so that's why I love, I just feel very passionate about empowering you and educating you about how you can take that ownership of your health and not put it in someone else's hands because doctors are humans as well, you know? So Just putting all of your faith in people outside of yourself doesn't really work. It's about understanding your body and knowing what works for you and getting that connection and being able to read those messages. So, and the topic for tonight is, is one that is so amazing to be empowered around that if if there are neurological issues that you've been experiencing or someone, you know, this is something that modern medicine does not handle very well. And so learning natural approaches is so powerful and equips you with so many tools. And so we'll jump into that in just a second, but want to give some love to our show sponsor, Organifi, my favorite green drink. And guys, if you haven't tried Organifi, what are you doing? Like it's, it's amazing. I would say if there is one main supplement you wanted to focus on, it would be Organifi. I don't care if you're paleo, macrobiotic, vegan, vegetarian, Atkins, whatever. We all can agree on one thing, and that's that we all need more greens in our life, you know? And I think every person should actually be juicing every day and be drinking a green drink every day, but that's just not going to happen for most people. So I really love Organifi for that reason. It's super easy. You put in a scoop into some water, drink it down, and that's your green drink for the day. Plus, beyond just the veggies that it has, you have things like chlorella, ashwagandha, spirulina, um, green tea. You're having some mint in there. So it has a nice little minty taste and 
Um, so you're getting the medicinal benefits of these herbal medicines as well. Ashwagandha, one of the herbs in Organifi, is my, one of my number one herbs for stress. So who doesn't deal with stress, right? And um, love the travel pack. So you can just bring them in your purse when you're traveling and throw it in some water on the plane or, you know, different countries. Wherever you are, you can have green drinks with you. So for my listeners, I hook you up with an awesome discount. You can go over to Organifi, get your own green drink. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com and then enter Dr. Lowe at checkout. That's D-R-L-O at checkout and you will get 20% off your order. That's including everything. So green drink, they have probiotics, um, one of my favorite protein powders. So all kinds of good goodies on there. All right, without further ado, let's jump into the topic for tonight. We're talking all about neurological health. Um, specifically a focus quite a bit on Parkinson's and some on Alzheimer's and I'm bringing on a guest who was one of my professors in school. So let me go ahead and bring her on and I hope you enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. So for tonight's episode, I have a guest that I haven't talked to in probably six plus years. And she was one of my professors in naturopathic medical school up in Portland, Oregon. And I'll be honest, she was probably my favorite, if not one of my most favorites for sure, um, because she's uber smart and a really just real and down to earth person and um, just made learning really fun. So I, when she messaged me on Facebook about some new research that she's doing, I just knew I wanted to have her on the show to talk with you because I just enjoyed learning from her so much when I was a student and I wanted to share her with you guys. So on the show tonight, I have Dr. Heather Zawicki. Probably her brain could be considered an encyclopedia, I would say. <laughs> and she was trained at uh, the world-renowned National Jewish Medical and Research Center in Denver, Colorado. She earned a PhD in, PhD in immunology and microbiology from University of Colorado Health Science Center. She went on to complete a postdoctoral fellowship and, she, and also teach medical school at, at Yale University. She currently serves as the Dean of Research and Graduate Studies at the National University of Natural Medicine, where I went to school, whoop, whoop, Director of HealthGot Research Institute and Professor of Immunology. And she has um, additional faculty appointments at University Health and Science University, University of Washington, and she is an NIH-funded researcher, and she's also well-published. And she really, what I love about her is she applies all this uber super smart knowledge to the world of natural medicine so she studies the immuno immunological so the immune effects and their not neurological effects so what affects your neurology to how it, it's involved with nutrition herbal medicine and acupuncture and mind body stuff so it really brings kind of a science to all these worlds and so she serves on a lot of different scientific advisory boards. And, um, and now what she's doing is, is studying specifically nutrition and its effects on Parkinson's disease. And she has a particular interest in how inflammation affects the brain-gut connection. So if you guys have been listening to the show, you know we talk all about the brain-gut connection. We really geek out on it. So I know you're going to really enjoy this. Dr. Zwicky, thanks so much for being on the show. Welcome to Dr. Lowe Show. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's so great to have you. So so I always like to start with any of my guests just to understand why the heck are you into this stuff? Like when did you become uber smart? Were you just born like this and interested in immunology right away? I mean, what made you go down this road of, of studying all this stuff and doing what you do? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, my mom was a biology teacher, so I've been doing health and biology stuff since I was a kid. And I swore I would never go into the health field because, you know, you you reject what your parents do initially <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> so I actually majored in math in college, and I thought I was going to work for NASA. And then um, had some of my own health 
issues and started doing research. And I had done research all the way through high school um, as well, but I started doing research into different natural therapies and how effective they were for my own health. And that led me down the path of um, really paying attention to all of the ethnomedicine that was out there. I was traveling a lot internationally. Um, I take uh, medical students to Tanzania every summer. And I had been seeing how ethnomedicine was used in Africa and how everyone used medicine. And it was having huge impact on some really major infectious diseases like HIV and malaria and tuberculosis. And so when I came back to the United States, um, I started really paying close attention to what were the medicines around me. At that point, I was at Yale. Um, What were the medicines around me that would actually impact these various diseases. And I realized that I didn't have enough knowledge um, to use it in, in, a, in a very scientific way. Then got invited to um, teach at National University of Natural Medicine, then National College of Natural Medicine, and fell in love with the students, fell in love with Portland, and realized that it was far more my philosophy of medicine, of, you know, using the least um, form of medicine, if that's possible, and then if you can't use that to heal, then move up a step, and if you can't use that to heal, then you move to pharmaceuticals, and then you might move to surgery. So you start with food, and then Uh, maybe supplements, and then... and. And so um, just happened to stumble across NCNM, which I think everybody who finds this place stumbles across it because it's not an easy place to find, Um, and and then wound up here. And now I've been at at National University of Natural Medicine for 15 years. Wow. (laughs) I know. I know. It's a a really cool place. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have to say, I loved every moment of of being in naturopathic school. I was one of those that just loved, I loved it. I I had so much fun. I thought it was so interesting. And I just geeked out, especially in your class. It was just a blast. And and I know that you are still geeking out in a whole new world now, which is in Parkinson's and a lot of neurological things. So why are you getting into this? What are you seeing that's, that's, um, you know, kind of on the cutting edge with these areas? Well, so, you know, uh, Parkinson's, again, uh, came across my plate kind of by accident. Mm -hmm. I was talking to uh, the executive director of the Brian Grant Foundation, and Brian is an NBA basketball player who developed Parkinson's, young onset Parkinson's, developed it at age 35, um, right about the same time Michael J. Fox developed Parkinson's. And Brian, because of his background as a professional athlete, um, had access to nutritionists and um, exercise physiologists and all of these things. And he decided to really treat his Parkinson's first with just diet and exercise. And the executive director of his foundation came to find me to help me figure out what was the mechanism of why it was working. Um, Because it worked very well for him for almost seven years. And uh, so I started looking into Parkinson's and really looking at the effects of nutrition and exercise on Parkinson's and recognize that most of neurology approaches Parkinson's from the perspective of just neurology. They just look at dopamine, which is the chemical that's um, missing in the brains of people with Parkinson's. When in reality, what's happening 
happening in the brain is neuroinflammation. I mean, what I mean when I say that is that there's inflammation, like what you might have in a joint if you have pain in your joint, only in this case, it's in the brain. And that's what's causing the disease progression. And what most people haven't been addressing is the disease progression because they're not addressing the neuroinflammation. Mm. So the underlying the other thing that's really interesting. So, so just oh, so I, yeah, it's okay. I'm just want to making sure that you know we're all with you. So the inflammation is the underlying issue that then disrupts the other parts that affect the dopamine. So if you just focus exactly. on the dopamine, then you're like you're getting too far ahead. You got to go back to the original issue, which is the inflammation, right? Sure. The dopamine will treat the symptoms, but it won't stop the disease from continuing. Mm-hmm. It. it, it it only helps um, with some of some of the big symptoms of Parkinson's because certainly the dopamine is what's missing. However, we know that the cause of Parkinson's actually originates in the gut, and that's a really interesting place for an immunologist because that's where your immune system really hangs out. And so, this is one of those places where the gut and the immune system the immune system in the gut and the nervous system in the gut totally come together Mm. and then impact the brain, which is kind of crazy. We don't think of them as connected, but they're totally connected. Yeah. Well, I, I talk about this so much with patients when they come in with things like anxiety or depression or brain fog or mood issues. And they sometimes will get surprised. Well, why are we doing a stool test? Where are we focusing on foods? Where are yeah. we working on the gut so much? And we, I, you know, I have to talk about the connection and that, you know, so many of most of the, the fibers of that vagus nerve is going from the gut to the brain, actually, right? Not the other way around. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And what people forget, it, you know, you think about dopamine. So dopamine is your reward center. You know, when you get a text message from somebody you like and you get that little burst of joy, that's dopamine. Right. So we think of dopamine as um, reward and, and brain, but really your gut makes more dopamine than your brain does. Dopamine is what regulates um, your bowel movements. And so if you're constipated, you probably have too little dopamine. And actually, one of the things we see with Parkinson's is that people will be constipated up to seven years before they develop any of the neurological symptoms, Hmm. and nobody ties the two together. Hmm. I'm actually just curious about when you said dopamine, and that's the pleasure response, and and there's there's so much dopamine addiction everywhere with us staring at our phones and just being always on alert. And every time we, we, you know, look at Instagram, we get that dopamine surge. Are we frying our brains with all of this stimulation? (laughs) Well, there's actually some really interesting research out there that we're not frying our brains, but we require more and more for the same amount of pleasure. Mm. Interesting. So we become desensitized to the, to to the effects. Got it. And so is it good to set boundaries so that we don't become you know, dependent like that? <laughs> well, of course it is. Um, <laughs> but what you can is a question, right? right. I, I was reading a study recently about um, gaming addiction. So people who get a- addicted to games and mm. huge issue right now with young men between the ages of 18 and 34, so they get addicted to these games. So they say set a limit. And do you know what the limit is? What? It's, so funny. Well, you should set a limit of under 20 hours a day. No. I'm like, under 20 hours a day? What? So they can sleep for four hours? That's good. Yeah. 
and these kids, they'll do it. They'll, uh, I'm sorry. I, I called 18 to 34 kids that, that dates me too. Oh. <laughs> but they literally will be on their computers all the time. And playing the throughout time. the night, right? Because they're like um, communicating all over the world with each other. I know about these games. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and literally it is that, that need for the chemical dopamine. Um, you, serotonin is what we usually think of for happiness. And serotonin is involved in that happiness and joy response. But it's not the reward response. The reward response is dopamine. So gaming is a huge thing with dopamine mm-hmm. and serotonin can play a role in constipation as well. Right. It absolutely can. As can GABA, um, the three work together. So serotonin, dopamine, and GABA all work together with constipation and, and bowel regulation. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how does this gut brain connection actually work? Like how is it that what's happening in your gut actually affects how you feel? I mean, really like we hear about it, but, but how does that actually play a part, you know, immunologically or neurologically what's actually happening? So there's two different things happening. You already mentioned the vagus nerve and that's one thing that's happening. Um, that there's actually a neurological, a, a nerve connection between the gut and the brain, but what's probably even more important are the chemicals that are made. So we have already talked about a couple of the chemicals, um, dopamine and serotonin, which are neurotransmitters and neurotransmitters. I like to think of them as the hormones of the nervous system. So they are things that are secreted by the nervous system that allow the nervous system to communicate with the rest of the body. And so even if you're making neurotransmitters in your gut, because they're secreted in your gut, doesn't mean they stay there. They go all throughout the rest of the body. And so, so anything that you make in your gut is actually going to continue to go to your brain and impact your brain as well. Now, the same is true for um, proteins that your immune system makes that are called cytokines. And cytokines are the hormones of the immune system. So you've got hormones in the endocrine system, neurotransmitters in the nervous system, and cytokines in the immune system. Now, the interesting thing with cytokines is that if you have inflammation in your gut, you make three primary cytokines. They're called interleukin-1, interleukin-6, and TNF-alpha. And these three cytokines, no matter where you make them in your body, go and impact your brain. They, they um, cause something that we call sickness behavior. So you might be sick, you might have um, inflammation in your knee, and you have knee osteoarthritis and you feel fatigued, and you feel tired, and you feel anxious, well, that fatigue and tired and anxiety can all be a result of your knee and the hormones of the immune system being made in your knee, the cytokines, affecting your brain. Wow. Same is true in your gut. If you have inflammation in your gut, if you have these three cytokines, IL-1, IL-6, and TNF-alpha, and they're being made at high levels in your gut because you have a poor diet, they can go and affect your brain and you wind up with depression and anxiety and hostility and anger and, and these sickness behaviors that are just a result of something going on somewhere else in your body. Mm. That is so interesting. So let's say someone listening has a gut infection. How can that be affecting their brain? Is it because they're having this release of these cytokines and then that causes inflammation of the brain? Yeah, absolutely. So if you have a gut infection um, and you make the cytokines in your gut, 
they will circulate systemically. So if you have a gut infection, it can cause pain in your joints. It can cause brain fog because it can cause your brain to feel inflamed. It can cause any, it can cause cardiovascular disease because the inflammation, those, those pieces circulate throughout your entire body. So gut inflammation actually is dangerous because it, it will impact every other system of your body. Is there any system in our body that's not affected by the gut? No. <laughs> and you know what? It's so funny. I, I feel like, you know, I was just talking about this with one of my boyfriend's sons the other day because he was saying, well, why do we separate everything? Like, why is it that, you know, some people study the gut and other people study the brain and they don't talk to each other? Um, you know, it's like neurologists don't talk to the gastroenterologists. Yeah. And I said, yeah, that's true. And, and I blame it on Descartes because back in the 1600s, Descartes separated all of the systems and said, you know, this is a way for us to think about these systems is to separate them. Yeah. And at the time it was probably appropriate because they just couldn't conceive of how everything related, but it's time for us to put the body back together again because everything is related and it all affects everything else. Yeah. So how would someone listening know if they have these cytokines or not? Is there a way to test for that? Sure. Um, the, you can do lab tests to test for them. Um, there's a, a urine test to look at high cytokines. Um, there's also a saliva test. Um, but, you know, the most common marker of inflammation actually isn't looking at the cytokines. It's looking at a protein in the blood called HSCRP. And every lab runs HSCRP, and it's a really inexpensive uh, test to run. And if HSCRP is high, then you can pretty much bet that your cytokines are high. Um, Got it. It's very strongly correlated. Now, HSCRP doesn't say that inflammation is coming from one area in particular, right? It's just saying that there's inflammation in general. So is there a way to kind of detect where that could be coming from? Mm -hmm. It doesn't tell you where it's coming from. That's true. Yeah. So if it's high, then that's the doctor's job to do some digging or some, some inflammation hunting. Yeah. And, you know, if you think it's from the gut, the, the, you know, number one thing to do is what all naturopaths do and do an anti-inflammatory diet, remove everything that could cause inflammation and then start adding stuff back. Um, you can, you can try to isolate out things, but the reality is most of the tests at that level don't work. Mm -hmm. So I typically would recommend for that for patients to cut out gluten, dairy, corn, soy, and sugar, usually the ones that I would say. Are there any other ones that you tend to see that are causing the most inflammation? Uh, Those tend to be the highest, although for some people, the nightshade vegetables are pretty bad, and for some people, citrus fruits are pretty bad, Mm -hmm. Um, but that's more rare. you're, You're right. With wheat, dairy, sugar, soy, corn, You've got the vast majority of them. Yeah. I'll tell you one of the interesting ones right now is eggs. And eggs um, can cause inflammation, but it tends to be uh, the, or it's, it's the pesticides that the chickens are eating. So mm. if people are eating organic eggs, they'll notice it's a difference than if they're eating eggs that are not organic. Mm-hmm. So if, if someone's eating pasture-raised organic eggs... Do you think that there's a chance that those eggs could still be inflammatory for them though? Because I know it's a common allergen or is it mostly those pesticides like you said? It's a really good question. Um, We don't honestly know. 
because there's there's been no study that's put uh, all the different eggs head to head. The yeah. other thing is that people who are sensitive to eggs cooked one way will not be sensitive to them cooked another way. So you might be sensitive to eggs that are scrambled, but put it into cake and you're fine. Mm-hmm. Got it. So, yeah. So I know that when, let's say, so talk, talking about the topic of Parkinson's, when, when a, a patient is first diagnosed with Parkinson's, I'm sure they're probably, what, what, what's typically conventionally what they're prescribed to do or what's, what's the approach that way? And then looking at it from more of a naturopathic view, how do we see things a bit differently? Sure. So um, first of all, when a patient's diagnosed with Parkinson's, Parkinson's, the, the generic name of the drug that people are put on is L-DOPA, which is a form of dopamine. And it, it takes lots of different names, but it's, it's L-DOPA. It's either a sustained release L-DOPA or straight up L-DOPA. The problem with the drug is that we know that it works for somewhere around 10 years, maybe 15 if you're lucky. Um, and then it stops working. So depending on the age of the person who's diagnosed, Physicians will ask them to try to not go on the drug right away if they're younger because they want to make sure that the drug's going to work for the majority of their lifetime. Mm-hmm. So um, what will be recommended is diet and exercise. The literature around exercise is really strong. In fact, um, there's some data from uh, Lori Mishley, who's a naturopathic physician and the nutritionist um, who studies Parkinson's. Um, that, sh- that shows that seven days of exercise is better than six. So really exercising every day, super important. And it matters what kind of exercise people do. It turns out it's not important um, just to go for a walk. You need to actually exercise in a way that makes your brain think. So dancing, boxing, playing tennis, things that um, require skill. I remember seeing other, a video about a guy riding a bike, and he, whenever he would ride his bike, his symptoms would go away. Exactly. Exercise is super good for PD, mm-hmm. really good. And then the other things that docs will say is they'll say, um, uh, and you should, you know, uh, improve your diet. But that, then they usually leave it there. Right. They don't give them any advice, right? And that's the thing is that most medical physicians, don't get nutrition in medical school. Um, when I taught at Yale, they got a total of four hours. At Oregon Health and Science University, they got three, although now they've just um, expanded their nutrition. So now I think they get a total of 19 hours of nutrition. But hey. what you can do with nutrition if you get 19 hours is very little, right? Yeah. So, um, so just saying diet and exercise, well, heck, the American public knows that they need to have a better diet. That doesn't mean they do it, right? So how much nutrition, sorry to interrupt, how much nutrition does a naturopathic doctor get in their training? Minimum of 96 hours. Hey, raise the roof. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, kind of like common sense. If you're going to take your your car to a mechanic, you want him to understand about the fuel that goes into your car, right? It's like common sense. You got to feel for the body. Awesome. Well, and it's the most common thing that people do every single day, all day long, is eat. And so yeah. you think that, that a physician would look at that first, uh, but it's not the case. Yeah. In any case, in Parkinson's, it turns out that 
it really matters what foods you're eating um, because different foods play very big different roles. So if you have inflammation, as you can imagine, and specifically if the inflammation is in your brain, it, you want to do things that are going to reduce inflammation. And so, for example, one of the chemicals your body makes uh, that reduces inflammation is called uric acid. And uric acid is the strongest antioxidant that your body is producing. So that's, that's important. So you would say, great, what do I do that increases uric acid? Well, the big thing you don't do is eat dairy because dairy actually decreases uric acid. Hmm. So one of the things that's important for people with Parkinson's is to avoid dairy. Hmm. And they've shown actually in research studies that especially for men, eating dairy is actually detrimental. It actually um, increases disease progression. Wow. Why more so in men? I don't know. I don't know why more in men than in women. Um, but the data is pretty clear. The other thing is that that's interesting about that is um, people have started to look now at cows from different locations because there are different different breeds of cows yeah um turns out their milk affects uric acid differently so they've looked at like cows from greece versus cows from japan versus cows from ireland and it turns out that there are strains of cows that have less effect on uric acid than others but in in the united states our jersey cows are not good for um having an impact on uric acid. Hmm. The other thing with cows that people forget is that, you know, what is, what is milk? Milk is how a mama cow feeds a baby cow. So a milk is where she's concentrating everything she eats into this substance to put into the baby cow, which means that if the mama cow is eating pesticides and herbicides and any chemicals, it's getting concentrated into the dairy. Hmm. And we have huge issues with pesticides and herbicides in our dairy and, and have since the 1960s is, is when it was first reported. Mm -hmm. um, so it tends to be one of the most environmentally toxic foods that we can eat. Wow. So you talk about reducing inflammation by helping to support uric acid. I'm, I'm curious how this relates with gout. So when someone has gout and they have high uric acid, is it because their body is creating more to put out inflammation or what's, how does that work? Yeah. The, the interesting with gout is that, yes, you have too much uric acid with gout. And so then you're going to eat cherries to decrease your uric acid, right? Right. Um, and, and in fact, that's even the, the Western medical treatment is cherries <laughs> <laughs> and concentrated cherry juice. Right. Um, but yeah, nobody's quite sure what causes uh, uric acid to be overexpressed in people when they have gout. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm uh, and I, I actually researched that very recently because my mom had a bout of gout and I was like, what, are, what is the mechanism for this? And right. really nobody. Yeah. Well, I, I found that one thing with my patients, um, giving them folate has been one of the best things to help decrease gout. So, or decrease uric acid. It's kind of interesting, but oh, also, excellent. um, the, the cherry juice, like you said, for sure. So, but yeah, so back to the inflammation piece. So, so helping to support your, your gas, you said that's the strong antioxidant. Um, and what helps with that is avoiding dairy. Is there anything else that can help support that or other ideas for reducing inflammation as well? 
Well, there's a lot of things that reduce inflammation. Um, probably the, the other big thing that reduces inflammation are um, the anthocyanins. So these are chemicals that are in, in things like berries and um, really colorful uh, fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, and so you really want to increase color in your diet. And that's not anything new, um, but we do know that all the anthocyanins, those colorful chemicals, are also antioxidant and anti-inflammatory. So increasing those, um, now, increasing those except for cherries, right? So strawberries, raspberries, blueberries, blackberries, marionberries, you name it, all mulberries, all super good, but not cherries because of cherries' effects on uh, uric acid. Oh, fascinating. Okay. Mm-hmm. The brain that will also tell you. Yeah, go ahead. Is if if you because <laughs> mm-hmm. I get this question from people with Parkinson's all the time. Can I drink? <laughs> yeah. Well, we're choosing between red wine and white wine. Which would you choose? Well, I think red, red. is probably better, right? Yeah, for the brain. Absolutely, red yeah. because red has the anthocyanins, and actually, red wine is anti-inflammatory in moderation. Yeah. So, what does moderation look like? How much is that? <laughs> moderation is a glass to two glasses a night. Um, and most people with Parkinson's are not doing more than that anyway. Got but it. yeah, that is. Now, um, our brains are made of fat. We're all a bunch of fat heads walking around. Where does fat play Absolutely. into this, especially with Parkinson's? Absolutely. And healthy fats are super good for Parkinson's. So a number one thing would be nuts, um, walnuts, macadamia nuts, um, pistachios, uh, higher fat nuts are better. Uh, but nuts are actually have, have been shown to impact Parkinson's, um, and other neurological diseases like Alzheimer's, um, and just mild cognitive impairment. So, uh, memory loss. Second thing is thinking about fats. Um, you want the medium chain triglyceride fats. So there we're talking about coconut oil and avocados. And so again, the healthy fats is what you're looking for. Um, so, uh, not focusing on things like canola oil and corn oils and those sorts of things, really moving away from those and moving towards uh, macadamia nut oil, coconut oil, and, and those sorts of oils. And if you're getting rid of dairy, and nuts are good for you, then why not replace the dairy with coconut milk or almond milk or walnut milk or cashew milk? Um, so you can remove the dairy and add the nuts all in one step. Mm-hmm. Great. And then how about for fish? Where does that play a part? Fish is good. However, so one of the things we know with Parkinson's is that environmental toxicity is really uh, problematic. So fish is great because fish oils are super good. Um, however, got to make sure that you get clean fish oil, right? And that you're getting oils that don't have mercury or lead, um, toxicity associated with them. Mm-hmm. Now you can say brands on this show cause it's my show. So you can say whatever you want. So what we use in my clinic is Nordic <laughs> naturals. Cause I know that exactly. they're super clean. They test to be really pure. I also know Farmax is a great company. Um, do you have a, an, any specific one that you really like? Yeah. Nordic Naturals is the one that I recommend as well. Yeah. Awesome. And it doesn't give that, that burp taste, which is so gross. You know, I mean, exactly. people come in a lot of times they're, they're taking like the Kirkland fish oil, or there's even a prescription fish oil, which 
I've heard that there's trans fat in the actual capsule of one of those. I don't remember which one it was, but that's a little creepy. So you want to have a good source of fish oil that's tested to be clean for contaminants because it can have mercury, like you said. So um, what about other types of seafood? Are there any other good options? Um, I mean, pretty much any seafood is, is a good option. And, um, I'm trying to remember the highest, I think mackerel is the highest in oils. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then avoiding the the ones that are higher in the toxins, right? So like what I think shark and, um, uh, certain types of tuna, but environmental working group, they've done amazing work on that. So you guys can Google environmental working group fish and you'll find a whole list of, the ones to avoid, the ones to have more of that are going to have a lot more of those good, healthy fats. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the other thing to remember is that, you know, if you just can't do fish oil if and that's not your thing, there's borage oil, evening primrose oil. There are other oils that are from plants that are equally good in that omega-3, omega-6 balance. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the effects of sugar on the brain. <laughs> How about a sugar? Because you can go gluten-free and dairy-free, right? But you can be having all kinds of gluten-free crap. <laughs> well, so absolutely you can. And, you know, we did a study at the university where we looked at um, – how different types of sweeteners spiked your blood glucose. And, you know, the interesting thing is people don't think about blood glucose and how it impacts inflammation, but it makes it a lot worse. So we looked at corn syrup versus sugar versus agave and um, maple syrup and um, honey and then uh, stevia. And what we saw is if you set corn syrup as the height, and we're saying that's going to be 100, 100% spike of your blood glucose, because that has the most refined um, uh, sucrose, and that, that will spike your blood glucose higher than anything. So high fructose corn syrup is 100, then sugar is 50. So it's about half of high fructose corn syrup, but it's still up there. Mm-hmm. At that point, then you could drop to agave and maple syrup, and it's about 30 and then um, honey's just below it at 25, and stevia is minus 10. Wow. Exactly. So if you have to choose a sweetener, start with stevia. Yeah. But if you can't use stevia, then go to honey and then agave and maple syrup. And stay away from sugar and high, corn, high fructose corn syrup if you can. Mm-hmm. I mean, I sweeten things um, with applesauce, you know, when I'm baking because – it's coming straight from the fruit and it's got the fiber. And so you don't get the same effects on your blood glucose as you do with refined sugar and high fructose corn syrup. Mm -hmm. Now, again, Lori Mishley's data out of um, university of Washington suggests that one of the worst things that you can do for your brain is artificial sweeteners. So no NutraSweet, no aspartame, um, Stay away from those artificial sweeteners. In fact, artificial sweeteners are worse than sugar. Mm. Um, So if you have a choice, you go for sugar over artificial sweeteners. Um, But high fructose corn syrup and artificial sweeteners are about the same. Wow. So why is it that the artificial sweeteners are so bad? Do they... Do they increase these cytokines we're talking about? Do they actually have specific no. things that are toxic to the brain? Like, why are they so bad? 
it's, it's in fact, they are, most of them are neurotoxins. And so they directly kill brain cells. Wow. Whereas the sugar increases inflammation. So it's an indirect impact on the brain. Um, the artificial sweeteners are direct neurotoxins. But just a little bit isn't a big issue, right? I mean, come on. Well, <laughs> Chewing gum, a little bit of Diet Coke here and there. or But no, if you do this on a regular, it really adds up. I have a patient of mine well, who does, she's, been, well, she's been holding on to her Diet Coke at lunch for dear life. And it's like, she's like, well, it's only one a day. It's like, but that's 365 a year. That's a lot. <laughs> It actually is. And what people don't realize is, of course, you think of like, oh, it's just, it, you know, where is it going? It, it, I drink this and the sweetener just goes into what? My gut and then I pee it out or something. Right. That's not true. Like people are showing that artificial sweeteners are showing up in breast milk. So when moms are trying to lose their baby weight and they're drinking tons of Diet Coke, that the baby's actually getting the artificial sweetener too. Wow. That's horrible. That's why. Um, I mean, yeah, artificial sweeteners are everywhere in your body. When you when you sweeten, you're putting that chemical into every cell. So yeah. think of it that way and stop doing it to yourself. Um, any other things that you've seen that are that are associated with um, neurological conditions developing? So Parkinson's or any other ones? I mean, I know we, we've talked a little bit about genetics on the show, um, not a whole lot, and, but, but anything that you're seeing that leads to this disease progression, what are, what are some of the things associated? Well, the big thing is pesticides. Um, and the, actually, California is the worst. Um, the, the valley by Fresno um, up through Sacramento and that area has the highest incidence of Parkinson's in the country. Um, and and we know that there's two major causes of Parkinson's. One is environmental toxicity and chemicals, and the other is this genetic component. And the environmental causes are probably 70% of the cases. Um, so, and then the genetic component often tends to be people who don't detox those pesticides well. Mm. So the other thing that we're seeing then with other places where there are farming belts. So Ohio has a large population of um, people with Parkinson's, but big places where there's a lot of farming happening and where they spray pesticides. And you'll have a lot of people with Parkinson's who will talk about how they remember having the windows open in the summer when the crop planes would go by and they could smell the pesticides. And yeah, I mean, that's just not so good. Right. Um, and, and so that tends, the chemical te- toxicity tends to be a really important thing. Mm-hmm. I would say that there's a really important um, connection out there that, that people should pay attention to. And that is that there's a Parkinson-like syndrome that's starting to appear with people who take lots of statins. Because remember what statins do is they lower cholesterol. If you lower cholesterol in the brain, you're taking the good fat out of the brain and you develop this Parkinsonian like um, syndrome where you, people develop tremor, they develop gait difficulty, et cetera. And it's all from the drugs that they're taking. Hmm. I think the other really important gut brain connection with Parkinson's um, actually has to do with the fact that they've now shown that the gait difficulty is related to the microflora in the gut. It's related to which bacteria are growing in the gut. Wow. Yeah. Talk more about that. 
so this is a study that came out in 2014, and, and they showed that um, one of the strains of bacteria in your gut is called Prevotella. And Prevotella um, is part of the Bacteroides family. And people with Parkinson's tend to have low levels of Prevotella in their gut. And when the Prevotella has died off, then what happens is E. coli comes in and fills the space because you can't just not have bacteria there. And so what you'll see with people who have gait difficulty is that they have more E. coli than Prevotella. And you can actually treat it with antibiotics. Like you give those people antibiotics and their gait gets better. But what you really would want to do, of course, is, is replace the Prevotella. The problem is it's not a strain of bacteria that we actually find in probiotics um, because it's an anaerobic strain. It's a strain that dies in oxygen. Mm. So, so, so instead, you have to have a good diet that feeds the Prevotella. And what a good diet is is a high-fiber diet. So the more vegetables, and specifically vegetables like artichoke, and um, onions and leeks and those sorts of vegetables feed the Prevotella and allow it to grow and replace the E. coli. Mm. So those prebiotic foods, it sounds like, that are going to help to feed the probiotics. So give them the food. So we need food for ourselves, but our our bacteria need food too. We got to feed our good bugs so they work for us. And we have, what is it, 10 times more bacteria than we have human cells in our body? We do indeed. So we're more bacteria than we are humans, and 99% of our genetics are bacteria genetics. Is that right? So we are genetically more bacteria than we are humans. So we are literally walking, talking bacterias. So we got to feed our bacteria (laughs) so they work for us, which results in healthier brain, better mood, better guts, even like better metabolism. There's studies looking at what kind of bacteria are associated with obesity. So it's like so many things. Fascinating. Wow. So, so feeding your good Prevotella with your artichokes and onions and leeks and helping to increase that. Really cool. Um, I'm curious about, what about heavy metals? Uh, you know, heavy metals deposit in the brain. That's, that's where they go to die. And so staying away from heavy metals is super important. Now, interestingly, people with Parkinson's often have, um, too low of some, um, elements, so lithium being one, and um, and then you can often find excess manganese or too high of um, lead or mercury as well in people with Parkinson's. Um, but lithium is, is super easy to get. You know, usually you think about getting these minerals in your water, but they're also in nuts, and so lithium is in pistachio nuts. Mm. And if your lithium is low grab a handful of those pistachios and, and, uh, replace it naturally. That's cool. Obviously yeah. good sources, organic. And if you guys have a hard time breaking down nuts, you can soak them and make it easier to, to digest. But, um, Absolutely. you know, in raw also, you're not getting all the roasted stuff. So the, the oils are still intact. And so, um, okay. We talked about metals. We talked about, uh, the bacteria. We talked about sugar on the brain um, pesticides, any other things that you're seeing that's leading people down this, this path of, of neurological disease? Um, not, uh, tra- trans fats, of course. Yeah, um, right. Trans fats, bad. So no donuts, no fried chicken. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
<laughs> Sorry. Hate to be the bearer of bad news, but there it is. Yeah. Um, so trans- Bad. What's really cool is is we we talked a little bit before the show and you're finding some really good results with certain herbs and plant medicines in the world of neurological disease. Tell us about that. Yeah, so um so like I said at, at the beginning when I was saying my philosophy, you know, I would prefer that we do everything with food. But the re- reality is some people are far enough down a disease path that you need to move to the next level. And that's really when you start to look at supplements. And the supplement um, industry hasn't really focused on neurological disease. Um, So I started doing a lot of research into what are some herbs and and, um, some plants that have impact on both Parkinson's specifically and some of the symptoms associated with Parkinson's. So things like like memory and fatigue and sleep issues and, and those sorts of things. And I came up with a a pretty extensive list. Some of the things on the list are things that are actually being researched now to become drugs. So for example, example, curcumin is actually being researched as um, a drug, potential drug for Parkinson's and Alzheimer's disease. Hmm. Um, Cinnamon, um, specifically Ceylon cinnamon is um, being researched as a potential drug as is rosemary. So some of those herbs that we cook with, just cook with more, um, that, you know, it can't, you can't go wrong. Yeah. And then, then you get into herbs that you might take more as a supplement. So, um, the herbs that, that I've been looking at are ashwagandha, um, and bacopa, maniera and shank pushpi, which are some Ayurvedic herbs. Um, I've also been looking at, uh, red ginseng and spirulina and rhodiola. And these are herbs that are more focused on endurance. And so they might work for things like fatigue that people have when, um, both when they're aging and when they have a neurological disease. Um, so lots of different things out there that are, that have great animal studies not a lot of things with clinical trials behind them. And usually that's because there's not funding for those clinical trials. Um, the big pharmaceutical companies have funds to run clinical trials, but small herbal companies typically don't have funds to run clinical trials. So instead you'll see a small study or some case series. Um, but what's happening is word of mouth, people are starting to learn that there are supplements that will help them. Now I should add that you know, probably the two most well-publicized supplements, one is absolutely essential for probably everybody, not just people with Parkinson's, and that's vitamin D. So mm-hmm. you know that 80% of the population of the United States is low in their vitamin D. Yeah. And, and it's not even a vitamin. It. It's actually a hormone. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 And from an immunologist perspective, vitamin D has an effect on 250 different genes. So when people say to me, what does vitamin D do? I thought it was just for your bones. I'm like, yeah, no, it's not just for your bones. You need it for, like all sorts of essential processes. And if you have chronic inflammation, vitamin D is one of the primary ways you're going to help shut that down. So getting your vitamin D tested and then taking enough because most vitamin D that you, that you buy in the store is like 400, 400 milligrams. You know, it's, it's not very much. I know that I live in Oregon. Oregon does 
doesn't have a lot of sun, but if I don't take a minimum of 5,000 units of vitamin D a day, yeah. I don't even go up on the scale. You know? right. Yeah. I find that usually for patients, I'm doing between five and 10,000 to get their levels up. And, and if they're taking 2000, I mean, they're not going to get their levels high enough. It's going to take probably months or years to get it to where they need it to be. So well, I'm, I'm usually average yeah. person. Yeah. Sorry. The average person uses 3000 units of vitamin D a day. If they do nothing but sit in front of a television. Wow. So wow. Yeah. 5,000 is important. I, I think it's an important dose five to 10. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. I just want to jump in your brain and just like, just walk around and just look at all the things (laughs) you know. Um, Cool. So yeah. And then, and Hey, you, I know that you also have been doing some writing for Parkinson's, right? I know that you wrote an ebook. Tell us about that. I have an ebook that's coming out this month that's called Eating Right for Parkinson's. And it's just going to be a dollar, um, just cost of production. Uh, and you can download it on your phone. But it's, I mean, the reality is that the, the book will work for anybody. Um, the, I mean, it's a healthy diet, but it's a brain-friendly diet. Um, and I've really been working on what are brain-friendly foods. I've been designing bars that are brain-friendly bars. Um, brain-friendly granola, because so many of the products that are out on the market have too high of sugar or um, so many grains that are not good for you that I just decided time to just start designing my own. Yeah. Awesome. And how can people get that ebook? Um, well, the easiest way, it'll be on Amazon, but the easiest way is um, to go to my website, which is www.heathers wiki.com and um it's a blog and so it has articles on different nutritional things that are coming out from memory and um and parkinson's and alzheimer's and any sort of memory issue um but heatherswiki.com and then once the ebook is released um we'll announce it there and it'll also be announced on my facebook page which is uh doctor's wiki Awesome. Is my handle there. and it's wiki at z w i c k e y right it is i got it yes okay <laughs> um cool <laughs> are there are there any other like things we you wanted to touch on any parting words i know we kind of flew through this pretty quickly so i knew we would <laughs> but yeah anything we didn't touch on <laughs> no i think i think we did a good job and i just you know i just remind people that everything you put in your mouth is important so make make those good decisions. Yeah. And, and also the, um, the herbs that you talked about, can people get that on your website as well? Um, the formulas there is actually the formulas are on my company website, which is Zamia life.com. And how do you spell that? Yeah. Z a M I a L I F E.com. Cool. That's the the memory formula and then the fatigue formula that you talked about. Exactly. Awesome. Oh, I'm definitely going to try that. I am excited. Yeah. Those sound awesome. Well, doc, I, I just love that you came on the show. I'm so glad that you reached out because I always think of you and I talk about you and I loved, I loved all the teaching that you gave me in school. And so it's just so fun to share you with my audience. Um, so yeah, this has been a really great treat just to reconnect and learn a few really cool things too for myself, specifically Prevotella. That's definitely something new that I didn't know. So, um, so yeah, and it just, just acknowledge you for just the amazing work you do in the world and for being such an inspiration for people and teaching people and helping to heal so many people. So, um, and also for being so patient with, with medical school students, cause you know, 
we can, I mean, I can remember back, we can be kind of high maintenance sometimes. So thanks for just being so great and so patient with, with all of us. It's just so great. Well, thank you. And I'm so glad. I mean, I feel like I'm blessed because the people that I send into the world get to go and do good things. And it just, it's, it's a wonderful impact to have. For sure. All right, you guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us for another episode. And let this also be encouragement to any of you teachers out there that you are doing amazing things and you are making a difference in your students. And who knows, Dr. Zwicky probably didn't even think that me being in her class that I would be going and sharing this with thousands of people. And so just know that, you know, every one of us, no matter what profession we're in, we're making an impact for people, right? We're, we are doing our good work. So just a um, little pat on the back for all you teachers out there. You are wonderful and we wouldn't be who we are without all of you. And, um, and anyone else in any kind of service industry, helping people keep on, you are amazing. You know, it's all, it's all a good fight. We're all in this together. And, um, and for any of you dealing with any neurological issues, I hope you got a lot of, um, value out of this show. Please share it with any friends, with family. This is life saving, life changing information. So let's pass it along. All right, you guys talk soon. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Dr. Low Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. And for more after the show, you can head over to drlowshow.com where you can find the show notes. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share with all your friends. And please head over to iTunes and leave the show a five-star review and leave a comment. I read each and every one and they warm my heart. Thank you so much again for joining us. I promise to keep bringing you fun, inspiring, empowering content. Until next time, lots of love and I'll talk to you soon. North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10. North Pole Hotline. Help! My in-laws are hosting Thanksgiving, and we're bringing the dressing. You mean stuffing? No, dressing. I need cute outfits for everyone. Get to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's kicking off the holidays with stylish denim, velvet tops, the season's best dresses, and 40% off your entire purchase now through Tuesday. 40% off? We'll be stuffing our shopping bags full. And don't forget colorful sweaters and amazing outerwear, too. You can even buy online and pick up in store for free. Ooh, I love an all-you-can-wear buffet. Holiday your heart out at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1118 to 1120. Exclusions apply. See stores for details.